Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, a sermon about how we should treat each other in church. It will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to tell you about a big change that has taken place in our church. Our Sunday gathering has moved from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. You heard that right, 4 p.m. There are several reasons that we decided to make this change, but let me just tell you one. We now offer the only service in our city that isn't on Sunday morning, which gives people that have work on Sundays or other things going on an opportunity to go to church. A pastor friend of mine said to me not long ago, if you want to reach people nobody else is reaching, you have to do things nobody else is doing. And it is our hope that moving to 4 p.m. will give an opportunity to help new people experience and express God's glory. If you are in our area, we would love for you to try out our 4 p.m. service in person. If you aren't in our area, we'd love for you to watch our service online at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I think this can be a perfect way to end the weekend for those of you that listen to this podcast and are on the East Coast. For more information either way about our Sunday gathering, please visit wilsonville.church Sundays. That's wilsonville.church Sundays. Again, thanks for taking time to listen to this sermon. I hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I am glad to be with you today, and, uh, and I'm, I'm excited for this last sermon in the book of Romans. And it's been really, frankly, an honor uh, to preach on this letter that Paul wrote. It's, uh, it's beautiful, it's profound, and, and I hope that, that some of that's, that's come uh, through clearly. Now, some of you are like, you know, first time here, or you, you're watching online for the first time, and, and you're like, wow, you're ending a book the first time I'm watching. That's a little bit strange. Keep watching, but also say, I said this last week, I want to iterate it today. We've actually made a change to our website recently, and so this is for you who have been around forever, for those of you that are just tuning in or, or with us for the first time, and, and what, the change is on our sermons page on our website, and, and what we've done is we've categorized some sermons, and so you can go to the, our website, click on the sermons button, and you'll see a bunch of categories, and you can click it, and then all the sermon series that we've ever done kind of centered on those categories will come up. Uh, and one of those is just Roman sermons. And so if this is your, your first time and it's the last sermon, uh, man, I hope, I hope you'll go back and, and you'll listen. And, and you know, uh, people have listened and I'm so thankful for that. Um, I'm always amazed at how wide uh, my sermons reach on the internet and, and how far they reach and how deep they reach. And so, uh, so if you didn't know that you could find our sermons online, you could do it there on the any podcast platform, but go back and listen because I think they've been important. I can say that they've been important to me, and here's, here's what I had written in my first sermon back in September when we started this book. I said, today we begin a series of sermons on the book of Romans. This is anything like I've done while pastoring this church. Beginning today, I'll preach from a single passage of Romans every week, minus a couple of pauses, until we finish the book on June 27th. I don't know what happened. I've broken the book up of Romans in a sermon series centered around different sections slash subject breaks in Paul's epistle. The subjects are, this is the key part, are important and life-changing. And man, I hope that I've communicated this passage in such a way and it's been wild, like the things going on around the preaching of this book for me, you know, between us switching locations all the time, trying to keep church going, 
Uh, It's been like just a wild time. And I hope in the middle of all of that, that we have, that we have seen, uh, I believe we have seen God work. And I've hoped for those of you who have been around that it's, it's deepened your relationship of God as it's deepened your understanding of God. Next year, we're going to do the same thing in the book of John. We'll start that uh, first week of October. I'm excited about that. Started doing a little prep work on that already, and I'm excited to do that. But, but these quotes that I, that I gave at the, at the beginning of the sermon series or, or the, the study through Romans, like John Calvin said, when anyone understands this epistle, he has a passage open to him to the understanding of the whole uh, of scripture. Some Swiss theologian, Frederick Godet, says the, the, it's the cathedral of the Christian faith. And uh, an English poet named Samuel Coleridge said it's the most profound work in existence. And, and I hope that if you've been with us, you felt some of that. And as we finish the book today, I think it finishes in, in such an important way. And, and, and I think one of the things that we all know, whether you you're just having a conversation, whether you're trying to win an argument, whether you're writing something, you always want to finish with really important things, right? Like you don't get the, to the end of writing a paper and, and say, hey, here's something you know, extra that's not important. You always want to finish with, with really what is the most important. And what is cool is I think Paul's finish shows us the things that are maybe most important to him in this book, and what's so cool, I think, for, for me today and for you today, is I actually think as we end this book, it's a wonderful place for us to begin in some ways. And, and, and when I say that, you're like, begin what? And uh, here, here's, you know, our story as a church, and, and we're doing this series on church, and so I think this is important. Uh, a year and a half ago, we were, we were just basically knocking everything out of the park. Like if we did it, it worked pretty well. And, uh, and people were coming like crazy and it was exciting. And, and, and we, we joke and cry uh, about the Wednesday before everything kind of shut down, before the world shut down. We had this training planned uh, at 7 p.m. on the Wednesday before everything went bad in our world. And and this training, you know, it's just a training, right? Like a volunteer training, like who cares? But it really felt like the pinnacle of where we had come to because everything was, you know, detailed and written down. And it's like, we knew what we were doing. We worked hard to get to this point where all of this momentum was, was kind of carrying us. We had, we had put leaders into the right positions at leadership meetings. It just felt like we had the right people there. Uh, we, I mean, we were growing and, and it just felt like everything was, was just, it was like the sky was the limit and nothing could stop us. And then we didn't have that training because a couple people called and said, I'm freaked out. I'm going to die of COVID or coronavirus at the time. We're like, what an idiot. What's coronavirus? You know, who would worry about that? That was kind of the attitude. Uh, But we ended up canceling it because I guess we should be scared of this thing. I don't know. Uh, And we canceled it. And then the next day we found out we couldn't have church in in our, uh, where we normally have church at Lowry Primary School. And that began the worst 14 months of my life and, and our world, you know, like collectively, maybe the worst 14 months we've all experienced together internationally. And and now we sit in a totally different place. Like, I mean, we've had, by August, we'll have had 25% of our church move out of the state of Oregon. Uh, and so there's that. We've had a couple of families leave, uh, just a couple of families, because, I don't know, they didn't like how we handled things or whatever. 
Uh, and then there's a bunch of people that are, you know, they were kind of on the fringe about church anyway, and they kind of came because I think our momentum was so good as a church, and, you know, it was just so exciting to, to be a part of this thing that was growing, and, and I, I hope, if you're watching online, I hope you'll, you'll be back with us, and, uh, but, but they're not here. And, and now we're like, we're in the middle of this weird time in our, in our church's history, this, this strange moment where, where we still have all those great leaders in place, and, and we still have all of those foundations in place, but, but we're now having to like restart these things that we already had going with less volunteers. Uh, and also, it, this is what's making it very weird. We're in the middle of summer, and I'm having families just say, like, I'll see you in August, you know? Like, that's a, it's really common. I'm, some of you back, it's like, oh, I remember you. Um, I, I'm just kidding. But it's like we're traveling. Everybody's going out because they want to be out because they couldn't do anything for a year. I totally get it. I'm not judging in any way. Uh, we've traveled more, you know, recently than ever before. It's, it's nice to be out. But it's such a weird time in, in not just our church, but every church, like, to try to to restart and, and continue on and, and get going again and, uh, and, and at the same time not have the same resources and be in the middle of summer and a summer, you know, that has 115 degree days and the 4th of July on the Sunday. And I just found out Halloween's on a Sunday and now we have church in the evening. That ticked me off in some weird way. Who planned Halloween on a Sunday night? Like, what are we doing? And, and, and so here's, here's why I say all of that, because because we sit at this really interesting time, both in church history, which I really like that, that I'm at this interesting time in church history, but also in, in our church's history. And, and it begs the question, what are we going to do about all of this? Like, like, is it important to continue on? The answer to that is yes. But, but is it important to continue on? Is it important to work as hard as, as we always work to become the church that we were becoming a, a year ago? Like, is it worth it? And what's the point of it all? And as Paul finishes this incredible theologically rich letter to this church in Rome, it's like Paul has written about all of this theological stuff. He's written to, to the, about how we should respond to that and the way we live our lives. And then he's, he's talked about church and he finishes with this big bang that just, that just lays for me in this moment. It says, this is, this is what makes it all worth it. This is why you hung on for 14 months in this church. This is why you kept moving buildings and finding ways to, to keep ministering. It's because of this that we read in Romans 16, 25 through 27. Here's how Paul finishes the letter of Romans. Now to him who was able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Paul finishes with a doxology. A doxology is, is a, it's like a parenthetical moment of praise. And there's two of them in the book of Romans. 
Uh, this is interesting. This one is, is particularly interesting. I'm not going to hash this out, but you can, you can kind of look it up on your own. But it aligns with what he says at the beginning, which is just great writing, right? Like if you read Romans 1, 4 through 17, you kind of pick out some themes there. You'll see them reappear here. And, and in fact, a lot of the themes that are prevalent in this book are, are here again stated as Paul opens up in this kind of parenthetical statement of praise. He's finishing with a big statement about how awesome God is, really. On Easter, I preached on the other doxology in the book of Romans, and I said then, and it bears repeating now, uh, that, that as you read the end of Romans 12, and you see Paul's doxology, and here again, it, it's, like, it's like Paul understands what I think we all understand as, as humans. There are certain things that just must be celebrated. It is weird to not celebrate certain things. Have you ever watched a sporting event with somebody? This might just be unique to me. It bothers me. But something incredible happens and they're like, oh, okay. Like, did you see what Dame just did? You know, like, did you, did you see the shot that he just made? Like, this is, this is worth celebrating. You want to, like, like, hey, I, hello, did you see it? Or, or like, even like, you just, you know, have you ever like seen an incredible movie and, and you, you turn to your friend, you're like, oh, it's incredible. And they're like, you know, like, you're like, hey, what's wrong with you? Like, that was so good and so magnificent that it's, it's worth celebrating. And Paul, two times in the book of Romans, it's like he gets to a point. The first at the end of Romans 12, after he's laid out the entirety of really the Christian faith and what this religion is all about. And the second time at the end of the book, it's like he just has to celebrate God because of the things he has just written down. And I want to remind you of some of the things we've seen because, because to me, it's, it's perfect. It's like this has to be celebrated. Like the first series in this, and as we went through Romans, we called the gospel. And, and basically, we saw that the gospel is good news. You know, whatever you've thought about Christianity or the gospel, it's primary at the core. You know, like it is good news because it has the power to transform any person that will come into it. And then we saw in the series called Righteousness that when sinners are transformed, it means that they can come into a right and good relationship with their creator. And in our Christmas series, The Gift, we saw that, that the, the way this all happens is because of the gift, the gift who is Jesus. The only way we can have a right relationship with God is through the gift that is Jesus. And, and if we will go through Jesus and have this right relationship with God, we saw in the series Conquerors that, that we have victory over our flesh and over fear and over separation from God. And ultimately, and this is what's so cool about Christianity, ultimately we have victory over eternity. We don't have to wonder or be scared about where we are going to be someday because because we are more than conquerors, as Paul says it. And then Paul flips the script, if you remember, and he's like, because of all of this, let me give you some practical tips on how you live your life. And, and basically, it's like, if you have victory over all of these things, then you both have the ability and you should be compelled to live the life that God has created you to live. And sometimes we think, man, I don't, you know, I don't know if I want to live the life that God's created me to live, but it's so clear in Romans that, that it gives, I mean, that this life is better and leads to less problems. It's good. And, and apart from Christ, we don't have the ability to do that. And then in our last series, we saw that in all of this, 
We can be unified with people that have nothing in common with us, which, man, how much does the world need that? And we can be unified in such a way that, that it leads to the mutual edification of others as we grow and invest in one another. And that's what makes church and what we do in church so important. And Paul gets to the end of all of this, and he's like, I have to glorify, I have to worship, I have to praise the one who made it all possible. And in the midst of this celebration, there's these things. There's these things that I think are so central, like I said, to everything that we do as a church, everything that makes this both worth it and important. I mean, like, it is so key. And and I just want to hit on some of those. The first is that he says, the gospel strengthens. Now, there's a couple of things that are really important here, like I said, but this one is interesting to me, and I I hit on this way back months ago, but I don't know if I hit on it clearly enough. The gospel, Paul says, strengthens people, and this is why I think this is, that's such an important phrase, uh, because so often we think that the gospel just just is like a beginning point for a person's faith. Like the gospel, the story of Jesus, the work that Jesus did on the cross is important in order to get somebody into a relationship with God. And, and the gospel story, you know, according to Paul, here's my, my words, is that we all, we all have fallen short of the glory of God and we did that by our own sin. We chose our own way instead of God's way. And because of that, each and every one of us deserved to be separated from God both now, like we couldn't pray and have it you know, accepted, but also for eternity, like we deserved hell. And, and so Jesus came, the gift came to earth. He lived a sinless, perfect life. And at the end of that life, he died a horrific death on a cross. He paid the punishment for our sins. He paid the price of hell when he hung there. And if we will just uh, believe with our, uh, our uh, hearts and, and confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord, that's how Paul says it, then we get to enter into this relationship with God. We get all of these things that, that Paul has talked about in the book of Romans. We are more than conquerors. We have victory. And sometimes we leave that story. It's like we just tell that story so that people will say, yes, I want to be a Christian too. And what's forgotten, what Paul, I think, wants us to remember at the end of this book after he's poured it all out is that it doesn't just lead people, it doesn't just compel people to enter into a relationship with God, but it actually strengthens them in that relationship with God. I know, and I, I've confessed this before, that I have been guilty in my ministry of, of, you know, in days, in early days of my ministry, when there was, you know, about this many people, right, when I first started at this church, where I would look out and say, I know everybody here, and they're all Christians, and like, why is, why is the gospel important in this sermon? Everybody here already knows it. Like, why do I need to tell everybody that Jesus loves them and died for their sins and came back on the third day? Like, why is that important when everybody here already knows it? And what's so clear in the book of Romans is that it's important because it doesn't just lead people to a relationship with God, but it strengthens them in their relationship with God. And I think one of the things we have backwards in our current culture is that, a Christian culture, is that we, we say, well, I became a Christian because of that gospel thing, but then all we ever do is focus on the, the rules and the, the things we want to do better, and we forget that we should constantly be coming back to the incredible truths of just that simple story, the good 
good news that is the story that we deserved hell, but God offered us heaven through his son, Jesus Christ. The gospel strengthens us. And so therefore, we should think about it and and ponder it and read it, like read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John consistently. And I should keep preaching it every week as I will continue to do. It's important that we continue to return to the gospel. Even as Paul closes here, it's like he hears, you know, like, well, you know, the readers are like, well, that was cool. That was a good story. You know, it's nice. Hopefully people give their lives to Jesus or whatever. But, But he's like, hey, this thing can strengthen you in your faith, not just lead you to it. I like this other thing. Paul calls it my gospel. It's the second time that he's done that in the book of Romans. And it feels a little vain, right? Like this is is your gospel. Like, first of all, it's God's gospel. And second of all, it's all of our gospel for God to love the world, not just Paul, right? But then as I pondered that phrase, my gospel, Paul's talking about how he's preaching it but it's become so important and real to him, the writer of this, that it's like it's his, right? And I just asked, like, to me, it's like, is the gospel just good news or is it your good news? Like the good news of your life. Is it the thing that you are passionate about? Is it the thing that you find your strength from? Is it the a thing that you want to share with others, even if you're scared to do it? Like, is the gospel just the gospel to you or is it actually your gospel? Because if it's just the gospel and not your gospel, the good news of your life, then maybe you need to take you know, more to heart what I've already said, and that is that you should be reading and reflecting on it, internalizing it, and, and just just thinking about all of the great benefits. Maybe you need to read Romans over and over and over again and, and just think about the victories it's given us and the grace that it required. The gospel must not just be the gospel. It must be our gospel, our good news, the good news that dictates all of our lives, everything we do. The second thing that Paul says, I think, man, this is so important as, as, we, as we move forward as a church. He's, he's like, it's a privilege to know the gospel. I mean, he says that like this thing, this thing called the gospel, it was a, a mystery. And, and sometimes we say like, was God like hiding it or whatever? And that's not, that's not what Paul means when you read the word mystery in his writings. What, what Paul is saying is that the gospel could not be A, fully known, and second of all, it couldn't be fully experienced by anybody that lived before Jesus came to earth. 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12 says, concerning this salvation, this is the gospel, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Peter, Paul, what they're saying is that all these men who wrote the Old Testament, they wanted to know what you get to experience. They were like, I'm writing about a savior who will come and set things right for all who will believe in him. Man, I sure wish I could feel that. I sure wish I could know all of the the glories that would follow, all the victories that would give us, all of the ways that that would change my life. I sure wish I could know exactly what this meant and exactly what this felt like, but I am just writing these things down for a future generation. And we are part of those future generations. And how much better is it to be able to look back 
and know the fullness of the gospel. How much better is it to look at the things written in the book of Romans and to know that we can not just kind of understand them, but fully understand them and, and this is what makes it great, fully experience them. When Paul writes in the book of Romans that that now, you know, we can know that when we pray, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. And so even our, our, our measly attempts at prayer, when we don't know what we ought to pray or how to pray, even those prayers are taken into heaven in a way that God can use for, for, for incredible work on this earth. Like, that's something that, that, you know, maybe was a good idea to the people in the Old Testament. But we can experience that. We can bow, we can bow on our knees and know that we come before the throne of of grace, and we can do it with confident expectancy as the book of Hebrews describes what prayer is. And the people who wrote the Old Testament, they couldn't see that. Or, or when, when they looked and they wrote, like, someday somebody is coming and he will suffer. In the book of Isaiah 53, chapter 53, there will be a suffering servant. He'll die for our sins. They had to think, wow, that's going to be great to know that all of your sins are forgiven. And we, we get to experience the forgiveness of sins, not just kind of think about how cool that would be someday. As Paul praises God, he's like, you get to live this out. And if any of you are Christians, then you, you have experienced the fullness of the gospel in your life, right? Like for me, if, you, if you've been around, you know my story, but I grew up in a Christian home, called myself a Christian, liked God, liked Jesus. But it wasn't until I was 17 years old when God whispered in my ear, you are a wretched sinner that, and what I did for you was an incredible sacrifice. I know it's not the nicest, softest sounding thing God could have said to me, but that's how it came across. And I hit my knees and I cried for hours and I cried for two reasons. One, a recognition of my sin, that was important. But two, a recognition that that sin was forgiven because of the incredible work of Jesus. That's the difference between kind of knowing about and truly experiencing the gospel in our lives. And then Paul says, says this thing. He says that in all of this, it, it's God's work so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. Just a quick note, it's important to point out how central obedience is to Christ, the Christian faith in, in the book of Romans. I think we have this idea that, that there, there can be faith without obedience, but the book of James tells us that that's, that's not a thing. Now, there can be, there will be, uh, I am a living testimony of that, there will, there will be moments of disobedience even for the most faithful, but faith and obedience go hand in hand. They go together. But the thing that's more important for us this morning is, is just this idea that in all of this, God is working so that all the Gentiles, every person who was far from God. I mean, the Gentiles were just far from God. They couldn't even have access to the presence of God in the temple. I mean, they could have traveled from all over the Roman world, gone to Jerusalem, the center of where God's presence was, gone to the temple, the center of the center where God's presence was. They could have walked towards the presence of God, and then somebody would have said, whoop, you got to stop right here. This is your courtyard, bro. Like, that's how that went for them. They were completely far from God, but part of all of this is Paul finishes with, with just this praise to God. He's like, God's worked all this so that all of those people might come to faith. They might become Christians. First Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says, God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 
Our church exists for the glory of God, but one of the main ways that, that, we, that we have to be glorifying God is by helping, working towards striving, fighting, so that all, all Gentiles, all those who are far from God might come to obedience through faith. I mean, good night. We've worked so hard to keep going as a church this year, and, and if I could give you one tangible reason why, it's because we believe that God created this church to tell people the gospel, to share the gospel story with them so that people might, might believe it, place their faith in him, and have their entire life changed. And uh, I mean, goodness gracious, it's been so hard. <laughs> It's been so hard, but I look around our world today and I see the absolute need and the opportunity because people have faced death in a new way and, and the lack of hope and the rising depression rates and the hurting, broken world all around us. I mean, I just, I just heard from somebody in Seaside, a pastor friend in Seaside, and they're having like one suicide a week right now. And they'd had like three in the, you know, three years before this or something crazy like now. Like one person a week is committing suicide uh, in the county. That's in, the, in whatever county that is over there. Uh, and that was from the coroner. He was talking to the coroner in, in his county. So it's not like he was just making up a stat for a sermon or something. And I... And, and like... If I'm just being honest, there's something really special about our church, even though we've been through so much this year. And, and, and I think we care deeply about a lost world. And frankly, the lost world seems to like to hear the gospel from us okay. Um, and, and I just, like this, this is so important. God wants all people who are far from him to come to him. And, and our church exists for God's glory. And if God wants that so desperately that he sent his only begotten son uh, to die so that people might come to him, then it follows that our church who aims to glorify him would, would do our absolute best. We would do whatever it takes so long that it's within the, the bounds of what God has called us to be and do. We would do whatever it takes in order to lead more people into a relationship with him. And I look at you, my church, and, and, and I just say, like, we've got to be about sharing the gospel with people. Paul wants us to remember that imperative at the end of this book. And, and, and you have to listen to me. You have to have spiritual conversations with people. The, it's, the world is ripe for that right now. Like, I think people like small talk less than they ever have because, because we've been through something so heavy. I heard somebody say the other day that the whole country is experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder and that sure feels real doesn't it like man I know I am and and like I mean not in some deep level but like a little bit of it right I'm thinking like what's gonna hit me next right and, and we've got to be having spiritual conversations and you have to share the gospel with your friends and and, and man maybe this is like a cop-out but I you have to invite your friends to be here with us I know that's so cliche 
But there are people that need to hear the gospel and I share it every week because I'm expecting them to sit here next to you when I share it. And so I want you to bring people to this church. We will grow again, right? We will. It's just going to happen. We reach people. It's going to be, it's in our DNA to grow again. But, but that, I don't just care about growth. I want your, I want to baptize your friends and family members. That's what I want to do because we don't exist to grow. Um, we exist for the glory of God and part of glorifying God is, is us sharing the gospel with the fallen lost world that needs to hear it. If you want to know why we got to keep going and, and why we're, we're restarting and, and, and how we're restarting and why it's important to work so hard, it's because of that and it's because of this next thing. Paul says, I mean, this whole thing is, is really a statement about glorifying God. At the beginning, he says, now to him. And then he, he has this big, you know, kind of deep thing that we've been talking about. And then at the end, he comes back to that. And he says, be glory forever. It's, it's, it's all about the glory of God. It's all about showing the world how great God is. It's all about us declaring, whether the world believes us or not, how incredible the God is that we serve. This whole, this whole book of Romans is about how incredible God is, right? And we get to the end and, and we can go, amen, amen, amen. I believe all of that. And the only natural response for you as a person and us as a church is to say, if all of this is true, then there is no other aim than us saying our God is great with the entirety of what we do and who we are. And I mean that individually and collectively. We say our God is great. If this is true, then it becomes our absolutely only aim to say we will lift up high the name of our God, Yahweh. That's what we will be about as, as people and as as a church. And then Paul, he's just like, one more time. He says all of this happens through Jesus. It all happens through Jesus. As we aim to glorify God, we must make a big deal about the, the one who came to save us, that is Jesus. And man, it, it's so easy as, a, as people, as a church, to make it about us, right? Like, I mean, we make it about our comforts and our wants and our desires and our hopes and our dreams. And, and Jesus can be relegated to like this, this nice kind of piece of our life where we show up on Sundays and, and that Jesus guy is a big deal. But, but you know, the other 95% of my week, it's just Jesus takes a backseat to me and to us and our work and our... But man, if you felt the weight of Romans at all and the weight of what Jesus has done for us, then it is so clear that all of this is through him. Every, all of it, your, your ability to be saved, your ability to have a right relationship with God, your ability to have victory over even yourself, but your ability to have victory over eternity, over fear. I mean, your ability to, to have meaningful relationships with people that you have nothing in common with, which we've been so, so beautiful in our church. All of this is through one person. It only happens through one person, and that person is Jesus. We mustn't forget that, and because of that, we must make a big deal about him. I want to be a big deal, that, a church that makes a big deal about Jesus. That's, that's what it comes down to. I want to be a church that shares him and celebrates him and worships him all as we aim 
to bring, bring glory to God because we understand the importance of the gospel, not just to the world, but to us, to me. We understand what it's done for us. I want to be a church where we aim to experience and explore the glory of God because we know how glorious our God is and we've felt his grace in our lives. And so I'm this sermon, man, I just, just want to, if you're not a Christian, first just, be, just read the book of Romans and then become a Christian. Like it's just, it's just that, like it's just, there's so many things that I have that I would not have. And I want that for you. I want it so much for you. But for those of you who are Christians, like, get in here and let's do this thing together as a church. I, I end the book of Romans and, and, and I see this incredible path before us. Uh, I've thought a lot about, you know, because it, numbers-wise, we're like back to where I started, you know? And, and I've thought a lot about, like, am I just doing my whole 10 years over of life like I mean did I just is it like the little blinky thing in men in black where it just got erased and it's like did any of that matter like did I just spend 10 years and I mean I love my kids I'm glad they were born but like was the I mean was that all I did the last 10 years was have two babies and nothing else but then I think about <laughs> the incredible leaders I get to serve with and the people in this church that are are passionate followers of Christ. And, and I look around at our fallen world, but I also just look around at our fallen, hurting, broken city. And I, I, think, I think that if we just dive in and we invest deeply and we make it about the things I've talked about, we make our lives in this church about the things I've talked about today, then we will, we will one day, and not the distant future, fulfill what's been the absolutely, <laughs> it's not great leadership, but it's like the only stated goal of our church, and that is to baptize people every single week here. But it's gonna take, it's not gonna be just eight of us who have been running church for most of the year, <laughs> if I can be honest with you. It's not gonna be the eight of us making that happen. It's gonna be us collectively saying we exist we exist to glorify God and we are gonna fight and claw and scrap and work and serve and do whatever it takes to bring him glory by sharing the gospel with the lost and fallen world. I hope you'll join me in that great sacred effort.